carry on. Hi guys. And welcome to the Sex and the City Podcast. Samantha's like, he's got the most perfect dad. <laughs> How did this happen? How did they get the message that the ass is now on the menu? I've been dating since I was 15. I'm exhausted. Where is he? Thanks. Bye. Great sex. I just have uh, one question before we truly begin. Uh, do y'all swear on this shit? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck yeah! I mean, there's actually no way to do this show without just swearing in every other sentence. <laughs> Thank it's Christ. It's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want, I want to hear you say cock as much as possible, as much as humanly possible. Well, you picked the right episode. Fantastic. I, I did. We did, didn't we? Hello, everyone, and welcome to... Carry on the Sex in the City podcast. I'm your host, Alec Wells. I'm your co-host, Kat Wells, and with us tonight. Tonight is our very first bi-coastal episode, and what a perfect episode to do bi-coastal. Did you just out our guest? Oh, I'm sorry. He should do that himself. Everyone, yeah, please I'd welcome. really prefer the opportunity to, you know, come out on my own terms, Alec. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is uh, my dear friend, Nick Snyder. Nick, uh, please say hello. Hello, dear audience. Uh, Nicholas is a very talented writer. Um, he has worked on uh, many a show, uh, including most recently uh, Netflix's The Get Down. Oh, you hear that? That is life and destiny. That is The Get Down. And uh, can we talk about what, you're, uh, what show you're on now? Yeah, I'm working on a pilot right now for TNT called Civil. Ooh. Uh, um, we're, we finished shooting a couple of weeks ago. We're in post on that now, but the writer's room is actually charging ahead and breaking story on some, uh, subsequent episodes in anticipation of getting a pickup. So. And, and Nick, you are, uh, a New Yorker. That's correct. I, I am a New Yorker. I, you know, I actually have mixed feelings about saying that. I feel like there are, New Yorkers, I think they're sort of like gradual, there's like gradations of proper New Yorker. So mm-hmm. I, sometimes I feel this inferiority complex. Like I haven't lived here long enough to say I'm a New Yorker. You know? Someone, the other day, someone uh, asked me how long I'd been in Los Angeles. And I was like, well, a little bit over nine years. And they were like, well, okay, cool. One more year and then you're an Angelino. And I was like, oh, <laughs> is that the rule? Nick, <laughs> It's the hard Nick, and fast rule. I guess. Nick, I just want to tell you, it's not about the length, it's the girth. <laughs> well, I have, I have been fairly wide for most of my time here. So I guess, yeah, I, I guess it counts. Uh, Nick, we uh, are so delighted to have you uh, because this is your very first episode of Sex in the City. Oh ever. my God, I didn't ever. know that. That's oh correct. my goodness. Okay, you so, really didn't know that? No, I didn't, and I purposely uh, didn't bother you about it beforehand because I like these things to be fresh. Um, sure. So what I want to know though is before you watched this episode that you watched tonight with us, or well, you know, on your own. Um, that we're going to talk about, which, by the way, we haven't said it yet, is season three, episode thirteen, "Escape from New York." Um, what was your what was your idea if someone had asked you to explain Sex and the City? What was your previous experience? Had you caught any moments of it on TV? Are you a Miranda? Go ahead. You know, I I do think that I have some memories of seeing parts of an episode here and there. I didn't have HBO growing up, um, and only recently, and maybe in the last year or two, had uh, the HBO go. So, uh, you know, 
I didn't have access to or opportunity to be exposed to Sex and City that much before now. But I, I know I must have seen parts of an episode here and there because like sort of the, the style of the show was not totally unfamiliar to me. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I had this memory of having seen scenes of it here and there. Um, so I, and I think there's enough of it in the sort of cultural consciousness like to, to sort of put together. You know, I knew it was about, you know, four women in New York being sassy, drinking, <laughs> talking about <laughs> sex and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, as far as am I a Miranda, et cetera, uh, I don't know if I've seen enough of the show to say who I am. Okay, based on this episode, uh, who did you identify the most with? Is it real basic to say that I'm a Carrie? I feel like I'm a Carrie. Nah, girl. Everybody wants to be a Carrie. I think we're all a Carrie. Carrie is a nice combination of all the ladies, so I think yeah. it's just fine to be a Carrie. I love Carrie. Though, Nick, as a writer, I'm excited to dig in um, to the story with you, specifically Carrie's, about how she uh, treats her opportunity to create a movie out of her writing. Yeah, um, Alec, I, I actually, well, you know, Alec, as someone who's had a little bit more experience having those sort of general meetings than I have, uh, I'm really excited to ask you how many meetings you've been in where uh, you've just been out and out propositioned by where Matthew someone McConaughey. Says, where someone says, where Matthew McConaughey says to you, I really want to fuck you, baby. Uh, I'm big. Nick, it'd probably be easier <laughs> to tell you the meetings that I wasn't propositioned in. I see. I see. Okay. Um, I think it's important to place ourselves uh, when this episode aired, just so you know, Nick, uh, sure. September 10th. 2000. So this episode aired uh, uh, an almost round 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, I don't know if there was a ton in it that really was was placed it in that time. Yeah. It didn't feel Except super for Samantha's dated to me. outrageously disgusting blue monstrosity of an outfit. Yeah. yeah the, the Well, there was definitely some characters who were dressed... I think there were some men dressed in the like there was, it was like that '90s fashion was lingering for sure, and there were yes. some yeah. some pretty wide looking jackets uh, that I can remember. <laughs> You're a fan of the the well fitted um, oh, jacket yeah. and or blazer on a gentleman. Yeah, I like you? I like I mean not not like the ultra pencil thin, not like stupid thin, but like something that's like fitted well. I really I, it we. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been going back and watching old episodes of The X-Files, which is great. But, like, honestly, the 90s fashion sticks oh. out so hard in those episodes. Oh, the it's big, painful. boxy suits and, and like, wide about, ties. When I think about the, um, the, the pilot episode of X-Files is Scully goes on that date and she's wearing, like, her mother's, like, she's like a child wearing her mother's bag. Like, yeah, bags it's and awful. rags. It's, it's the worst. It's so bad. It's so bad. Mulder's well, Nick- ties are always like a mile wide. Yeah. <laughs> so the, ni- the 90s fashion, like, it was definitely lingering still in this episode. Yeah. But, you know, um, uh, I was paying attention to the way the ladies were dressed. And I don't. Can, do you guys mind if I am a little bit of a name dropper? Oh, I need you to because I feel like I know what you're about to say. And I'm, I need you to say, I need you to talk for like 10 minutes about it. When I first moved to New York, um, I was working as a costume PA, a driver PA specifically, because I had a, a license with a good driving record. And I worked on a, a couple TV shows in the area, because uh, uh, it's hard to find a PA in New York who can drive a car and not kill you. Um, and so More I did on that. that later in reference <laughs> to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I spent some time doing that. And it, what really was not my forte and certainly wasn't an area that I wanted to stay in for long. But you get pigeonholed and you kind of need to work. So you, you, you do the job that's available. 
And one of the last costumes jobs that I had, uh, actually it was the last costume job that I had, was working on the Cameron Diaz movie, The Other Woman, um, for which Pat Field mm-hmm. was the uh, costume designer. Or Raise co-costume it up designer. for Pat Field. Tell us every story you know. She is absolutely delightful. She is so, I mean, she's wonderful. She's so wonderful. Um, I, uh, I really enjoyed working for her. She was so chill. Um, she talks like she's been smoking since before she was born. I was lucky I was born in New York. I could have been born anywhere. I mean, there are other good places. So, but you know, New York is one of the best and I was lucky I was born here. There was no reason for me to leave. I didn't have to seek better. I had the best, I had New York City. I actually, somewhere in my files, like in my computer somewhere, I have a voicemail saved from her where she called me one morning. Uh, I was supposed to pick her up and she decided to leave earlier than the pickup. So she was calling me to say, just go straight to the office. Don't meet me at my apartment. I'm, I'm going straight in. And it was just, I, I, I just had this sense, I cannot delete this voicemail ever. I have to save it, preserve it somehow, <laughs> because no one is gonna believe me when I tell stories about how like throaty and raspy her voice is, but now I have like physical evidence. Um, bless her, bless her. Uh, well, she would no. she would get, finish a 12 hour day of work and then ask me what my plans are and I'd be like, uh, you know, going home, having dinner, getting a good night's rest and coming back to it. And she'd like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to this club opening in Astoria. Uh, I'll be out till like two, three in the morning, um, you know, but whatever, normal time tomorrow. <laughs> it was like amazing. <laughs> I could not believe the stamina the woman had for partying. It was, wow. it was, it was inspirational is what it was. Actually. Well, you know, especially knowing the, the kind of era she, she really came up in and she was sort of a den mother to a lot of LGBT people yeah. and who, and who speak lovingly of, you know, she recently closed her shop that had been I know. there I, for years and years in New York, but they talk about how people who were homeless on the street, like, because their families had kicked them out because they were trans or gay, and she just gave them a job, and they would say, oh my god, thank you, and she was like, whatever, you know, it's no big deal. Like, she's just, she's just this godlike entity. She's really a wonderful woman. I I know about that, her shop closing, yeah, because I was just in that neighborhood uh, to meet some friends recently, and I I was very sad to walk past that spot, because I had only been in the shop a handful of times while working on that job, but it was uh, kind of a it was exactly what you might expect it to be. Well, Nick, um, I I am a little worried to hear that you save voicemails considering some of the things that I've sent you, but... Um, <laughs> I've got a file on you, Alan. Trust me. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this episode because I'm, I'm excited to hear uh, what you think. Um, let's do it. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we start with Samantha's storyline? Um, so Samantha, lovingly played by Kim Cattrall, uh, joins, uh, well, wh- actually, why don't we back it up a little bit and just talk about the, the premise a little bit of this episode. So Nick, just to catch you up, uh, Carrie was dating a, a wonderful um, furniture maker named Aiden, played by John Corbett. And uh, during the course of their relationship, she began having an affair with her ex-boyfriend, Mr. Big, played mm-hmm. by Chris Noth. So the episode previous to this one, everything blew up. Aiden found out about the, the affair, uh, and Carrie cut things off with Big. So when we find Carrie at the beginning of this episode, as you heard, she's uh, she wants to get out of New York to get away from sort of the mess that she created in her personal life. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you know, accompanied by both Miranda and Samantha, the ladies head to L.A., uh, and there we find that Samantha at the standard bar has met a gentleman named Garth, 
who happens to be a dildo model. Welcome to LA. I'm Garth. I'm Samantha. How did you know I was from out of town? Because if you lived here, <laughs> we would have met by now. So what do you do when you're not working as a one-man welcome wagon? I'm a dildo model. You wouldn't tease a girl, would you? <laughs> really, I'm the number two selling model in the US. Number one in Canada. My dick's bigger in Canada. You gotta love that metric system. Uh, I gotta run. Where? A dildo emergency? <laughs> you know, I know you think I'm yanking your chain, but I'm not. As a matter of fact, we are having a promotional party for Hustler Store, celebrating the launch of a new line of toys and accessories. Here's an invitation. Oh, <laughs> I always do. Do you guys think that's a, that's a real job? I mean, do we believe that that's a real job I or mean, that it was I in 2000? I guess. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I have no doubt. I know that like porn stars, like if you go into um, sex shops, not that I've ever done that, but you know, you'll see a lot of branded product. Right. Not only, not only dildos, but also vaginas that have been molded of, oh, of famous yeah. porn I, stars. Oh, no, and I've, I've actually seen articles about this. Yeah. It, it's like another revenue source. Yeah. Okay. So it is a real thing. Okay. I, mean, I, 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 I don't know it. if you'd be like, I, I feel like he would have to first be a famous porn actor, which right. I, I mean, I, I don't know. That's just anecdotal evidence Listen, I'm going I'm on. Sure right. The, the big cock alone is... isn't enough enough to right, like, cement right, right, his status right. as as toy worthy he's got to right. actually have there, there has to be a character based on it yeah. i'm yes. sure the writer of this episode did a very detailed character history of garth uh you know from childhood onward mm-hmm. there's a page know. and a half somewhere in somebody's you know files that would uh-huh. like garth's entire story leading up to that moment and perhaps even past it yeah so, i'm not mad at by the way like i mean that's a beautiful dick <laughs> it, 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 it's, uh... it's a gorgeous the coloring the the girth the length um the veiny just beauty of the it's a gore i mean it's a for gorgeous a prop, cock. like for a prop dildo you know for the purposes of just this comedic storyline i i was impressed at the extent of the detail and i, I figured it, it must be like a real you know a celebrity dildo that yes. must belong to a real porn star i'm assuming not that actor because i'm i was assuming that that guy was you know just a ordinary television actor and not sure. a star but and uh, now every girlfriend he gets is like very disappointed I, yeah now are our penises supposed to be the size of arms because um if so that's worrisome <laughs> no alec it's because the aspect ratio of the show the way it was filmed back in the 2000 it just makes it exaggerates the size. trust me don't worry about it oh it's, uh, thank god the yeah, camera adds yeah. 10 babies arms holding yeah apples. your your <laughs> dick should really be only a couple of stamps wide and a couple of postage stamps long <laughs> um, uh, Nick, I only use like um, an old xenotrope to photograph my penis, like one of those old circular things where if you spin it, you see the the guy on the horse riding. Right, right. Wait, so when you're when you're sexting that, you know, you have yeah. to like set up a whole apparatus. I gotcha. The only time I take photographs of my penis are using like a Quaker Oats box, where you like sort of make your own camera. I Did thought you, you were going to say, you were a kid? I thought you were about to say, I don't sex. The only time I, I take photographs of my own penis are when I'm requested to by a doctor. I thought, yes. I thought that's legitimately what you were going to say. <laughs> I, I, did, I thought it was Because that's the only that, reason you would, right? I, yeah. I thought it was weird that Anthony Weiner didn't like me DMing him pictures of my penis. Yeah. I don't I know what his deal anybody, is. 
he yeah. would appreciate. He well, would totally. Did, he, he was like, you should. He was like, you should really take notes from this guy Garth that I've been talking to. <laughs> I will say, I only now that we're talking about Samantha's storyline did I realize that it's actually the mirror storyline of Miranda's, which is Garth is a pretty penis, but he wants people to see him as more than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Miranda is more than that, but she wants to be seen as a pretty face. I like that those stories sort of complement. You just each went other. as deep as Garth's big fat cock yeah yeah did. what do you think about that nick further than four inches that's for sure or five <laughs> inches um i think that's great i i was actually going to comment because i thought the part of the reason you guys wanted to have me on is to talk about the whole uh the new york versus la of, of it. course of course i'd actually and rather I... waste that opportunity <laughs> oh okay well then let's just skip right over it and talk about stupid shit um i was you know I couldn't help but feel a little bit of sympathy for uh, Garth in his dream about being a porn poet uh, in yeah. New York City. But it, it made me think about how um, New York and L.A., in my experience, have this sort of complementary and yet antagonistic relationship, at least among creatives. I, I know that there are other jobs and other careers you can have in both cities. but amongst There are? The- <laughs> Amongst okay, the three okay. of us that we're, you know, in what we want to do in, in like our, you know, creative ambitions, New York and LA are the two best places to do it. And I, I, in my experience, I feel like people who live in one or the other city, there's always a little bit of a romanticism associated with the other city. And I can speak from my experience where I, I, I kind of, I mean, I lived in LA for a short while, but I, I, I miss it still. And I still think about, you know, how would my career like veer off differently if I could just go out to LA and start over um, or start on a new track? And I feel like there's that with both cities. And I, I, I feel, of... I, I romanticize New York a lot. I've yeah. visited a few times, but never, never for very long. But um, uh, I'll lose myself in thinking about the history of the place and the energy of the place and how, how different would I be as a person if I kind of had to find my way there? And like, yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree with you. Um, Nick, do you, do you agree with Miranda when she says that in New York City, sex is a bottom shelf paper bag? Yeah, I was really curious about that. And that really did make me think, I I don't think that is so much the case anymore. At least that is not my experience. That, that sort of out there-ness that she talks about in the Hustler store, um, I don't, I don't feel like that is foreign to my experience in New York, you know, like the way... people sort of put themselves out there uh, in in New York City. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't in the dating scene for very long in New York, so I, it would be hard for me to say with a lot of confidence, but it just it just feels like maybe that's an evolution of New York that wasn't hadn't happened yet. Uh, well, and what's weird to me, and, and uh, I'll tell you, Nick, is that, like, earlier episodes of the show have found uh, um, the women kind of going to, at least we've covered the... Um, uh, we, yeah, we, we did the episode La Dolores Squeeze, uh, uh, The Exquisite Pain, where Samantha, the opening of this episode earlier in the in the series was Samantha inviting all the girls to her PR firm was doing the opening of this like S&M themed bar and all the waiters and waitresses are covered in leather. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I just kind, kind of um, going on the history and the mythology of the show already, it was kind of weird for me to hear them say that it was bottom shelf paper bag in New York because they had previously made statements that spoke quite the opposite idea talking about how 
Samantha's like, it's free. We're free. We can be whatever we are. Um, so I don't know. I kind of find that inconsistent if we're being, if I'm being nitpicky about the show. Maybe it I was feel one like of I, those contrivances. Yeah. The, the writers kind of like hand waved so they could sort of yeah. make, make a meal out of that storyline. I think yeah. that's, I think that's it. Well, you know, yeah. I, th- this episode really wanted to make a point of showing the differences between New York and LA. And, uh, I, you know, yeah. I, I think they did a fair job of it. Um, I, there was probably more that could have been mine, but you know, Know, this the smoking versus the health thing well as someone liked- who lives in new york 16 years later i can say that smoking is probably just as uncommon as it's depicted as being in la so Fantastic. la was on was certainly ahead of the curve but you know and i do see smokers a lot but like you know it's banned indoors now in new york with limited exceptions so i you know you don't go to bars and see people smoking you don't go to clubs and see people smoking it's not it's just not a common sight. Yeah. Um, well, so that was actually kind of funny to me that that difference because it's not. It certainly hasn't been my experience that New York is a smoking town. You know, Miranda's Miranda's storyline in this episode, uh, just to sort of catch our listeners up, is you know she um, I, I, we we sort of fully covered Samantha's storyline. Really, <laughs> we did. Well, she yeah. fucks a porn star and he wants more than that, but she does. She's not interested in how deep his love goes right Right. Um, not metaphorically anyway yeah well she Uh, she's get she's (laughs) she's getting the she she literally has the deluxe version of the the what is it the deluxe version of his dildo product which is literally the real thing um but but it's like she has the living breathing toy version she just wants to treat him like the toy that he is there was a lot of layers to that i enjoyed that plot line it was good um, mm-hmm. And you know, Mer- it's a classic. Just so you know, Nick, it's it's. Uh, I really think that this Samantha storyline is a good classic one. And Pretty representative. The, yes, and the best, the very best of the Samantha storylines are just that. They are simple. They're pretty binary. There's not a whole lot of complexity to it. It's fun. It's flirty. It's raucous. It's a little crass, but mm-hmm. um, but but good-natured fun. And it wraps up in one episode, and you're done with it. And yeah. um, usually we see uh, the only thing missing from this is seeing Kim Cattrall's glorious, splendiferous breasts. Um, but you know, go check around for other episodes to see those. Uh, so I believe uh, I will. <laughs> you should. You really should. And you know Miranda's storyline. You know she she comes out to L.A. She's she's appreciating how free women in L.A. are with their sexuality, and uh, is is frustrated by the fact that she just wants to get laid too. But you know every everything she does um, is you know the way that she's coy with men. It's hidden by wittiness and banter, and other mm-hmm. women are sort of just laying it all out there exposing their sexuality it's not hidden it's not coy it's just like right there on the table for the taking and uh, evidenced by her conversation with a mr jason dick yes (laughs) um that's his name it's spelled d-i-q-u-e and yes he's thought about changing it as samantha said goodbye to mr dildo miranda said hello to mr dick mr jason dick it's spelled d-i-q-u-e it's dutch and yes i've thought about changing it well, it could be worse. How? If your first name was Little. <laughs> so what about you? What do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, and I thought I had it bad. No. <laughs> no, really, that's great. You look like a lawyer. And you look like a dick. <laughs> it is so great to talk to a smart and funny woman. Uh, what was I saying? It's great to talk to a smart, funny woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, could you excuse me for a second? 
Okay. She but just went out to LA. She wanted. She went to LA for the dick and just didn't. You know. She did. Yeah. Didn't get she it. She found it, but yeah. it wasn't what she thought it'd be. She was yeah. too much. She was just doing too much repartee. Yeah. You know, too much repartee. She was Which being. It, uh, she was being the cool girl in uh, Gone Girl, basically. Right. That's she was exactly being. Right. She was being in that uh, a very at least the first <laughs> act of that movie a very New York experience. Like she was being that sort of flirty, fun. I'm almost a little smarter than you, but not too much smarter than you version of the yes. woman that the ideal that uh that amy is uh criticizing uh, yes in that yes, hilarious right. sequence have that's you right. ever found yourself in miranda's position where you you've like kind of considered yourself the witty guy the intelligent guy the one who's going to have a great conversation with the girl only to be passed over by you know the 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 jock as it were no never <laughs> well, you are That's the complete the right package. Answer. You really are the total package. Nick is, um, Nick is a very attractive, very funny. Like you do, you you've got it all. I will say um, that this is going to go broader than just that, than just her storyline. But I will say there was so much in this episode that reminded me of my first experiences in Los Angeles, or, or many of my first experiences in Los Angeles. <laughs> and that moment when um, when she's when Miranda's talking to the dude. And he's like, yeah, excuse me for a second. And he just fucking ends the conversation. <laughs> he just walks oh. away, like, rude as shit. Um, I, I had an experience like that uh, with a... It, I, it was not a flirtatious experience, but it was like I was at a party in... This is in Los Angeles. And uh, trying... It, I didn't know a lot of people at the party. And I was trying to do the thing you're supposed to do, which is just put yourself out there and introduce yourself and try to start a conversation with people. And... I, something about me just communicated not part of the club and I had this experience where I would just walk up to people and introduce myself and they would literally just turn away and keep, continue talking amongst themselves wow <laughs> it was it you was think that like, stuff only happens in movies and on tv shows but that's not the case it, like uh, yeah that thing felt uh exaggerated for comedy but also i've had that experience so it didn't feel wow. that exaggerated well nick wow. it probably had know. something to do with your opening line being i really want to fuck you carrie <laughs> i'm big you shouldn't open with that. That's, I'm I'm big. I really want to fuck you. Yeah, that line um, only works a few times, but you got to retire it eventually. <laughs> wow. Uh, so uh, so Miranda, you know what ends up happening is they end up at the Saddle Ranch Chop House, uh, which is a real place in L.A. Which blows my mind. They say Carrie the, Samantha's complaining that they're at the Saddle Ranch Chop House. And Carrie says it's the closest bar with no hills, which is absolute nonsense because they're staying at the Standard. And unless I'm mistaken, there's only one Standard Hotel downtown. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another one of those examples of um, look at the birdie because you're not because we're distracting you from the fact that these these bars are the the hotel and the bar are, are miles and miles apart and a lot of traffic apart. And that this is not at all convenient for them to go to Saddle Ranch on Sunset. Do you know, uh, do, uh, so I've worked in, I've been working in production for a long time, and I'm going to posit uh, a guess here that um, the Hustler Club, which is right down the block from Saddle Ranch, yep. uh, was a convenient location move from uh, each other, and I'm certain that they scheduled those two places because they are distinctly L.A., 
and yes. they are within a short block from each other and we're yep. able to uh to to put all that into one day of the schedule i'm just gonna i'm gonna go ahead and put that out there that those are yep. like two landmarks they could hit <laughs> in quick succession and not have to move the company around 100 i'll also and I love, say oh yeah go ahead i'll also say um you know it's too bad twitter didn't exist in 2000 when this came out because cats gripe about the geography of the show <laughs> and fit great I, in 140 it's, it's characters so unique uh i no one's ever pointed out anything like that about a television show or a movie before <laughs> So I'm really proud of myself. Um, also, uh, You're really I breaking love, ground, Kat. I, yeah. I really enjoy it. Talking about your friend, Pat Fieldnick, um, uh, I love that uh, she she had a little fun dressing the ladies for Saddle Ranch. Miranda's wearing like a cowboy kind of rancher style shirt. Yeah, did they bring like, those outfits in anticipation of going to I Saddle know. Ranch? Or did <laughs> they, is, did they look, head up Barney's the LA in order to I'll tell like, you, prepare I'll tell you for something that I've had. I know. I'll tell you something I've had. Uh, some I've watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff with Pat Field. And um, one thing <laughs> Pat Field is not concerned with is uh, their their fashion choices making particular sense either yeah. financially for their situations or like there's no re- like it's gonna be fabulous and that's all you need to worry about and right. so like you know you're samantha's wearing the the fringy kind of shirt that's like a like cowboy fringe but it's bright yellow and miranda's wearing like a cowboy shirt but it's like she's got little little shiny details and um you know it, it, there, never mind Miranda's wearing that, a breakaway shirt apparently she is <laughs> and never mind the fact that like the ladies didn't know that Carrie was gonna bring them there right. for Pat Field I've heard her explain before like you know she'll she'll have them put on some outfit I've seen her in behind the scenes footage for Sex and City and they're like so, um, would it make a lot of sense that on her salary, Carrie could afford this $10,000 belt? And she's like, it's fabulous. Do not worry about it. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, um, they're like, so, so does it make really sense that we never repeat any outfits? And she's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, and you so really you just, let that, you just let it go. It's and of totally course it's fine. fine. So the, so the sort of the way that Miranda's storyline wraps up is that, you know, so, so frustrated, frustrated by being passed over and, and not seen as sort of like the, the sexual free open person she wants to be seen as, uh, Miranda just goes and, and, and hops on that saddle at the saddle ranch, the mechanical bull, and she goes for it and she, she pops that shirt on open because she's feeling wild and free. And, yes, and as I said to Kat while we were watching the episode, Nick, mm-hmm. if, if I had seen that in person, I would have been like, whose mom is that? <laughs> 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 Saying nothing nothing about how beautiful or wonderful Cynthia Nixon is. Oh, yeah, we worship she's her. Great, she's fantastic. Yeah, but of course. But it's like just the faces she was making and like how Her haircut kind of like and just, her shirt. Yeah, just yeah. the whole thing. Well, it was, a, it was a whole, yeah, it was a whole character moment because it was definitely, it was a freeing moment for us, you know, having spent time with the character, but it was, it definitely was somebody who was communicating, cutting loose for the first time, yes. you know, like, yes. it was some, like it that was not baby somebody deer, who's, yeah, she's never walked before and now she's trying to run kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, let's, um, let's, uh. Why don't we uh, take a trip back to New York for oh, a minute sure. um, and, and visit Charlotte uh, and, and talk about her storyline in this episode. Uh, just to catch our audience up and to catch you up, uh, Nicholas, uh, Charlotte just married Trey McDougal, played by the wonderful Kyle MacLachlan, who, who Nick, I, I know you love. To my eyes, uh, he looked like a prettier David Tennant. 
<laughs> yeah, that was that was my impression. Like at uh-huh. first, at first glance, I looked at him and thought, "Wait, is that David Tennant?" And then I thought, "No, no, no, he's too pretty." <laughs> yep. And it's not just youth I'm seeing. It's it's just a, he's a different person. He's a different uh, human. Yes, correct. But that's yeah. who he reminded me of. So Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, through throughout the course of this series, Nick has been looking for her one true love. She's uh, she's the most optimistic of the group. She's the one who believes sort of in the knight in shining armor, in the mm-hmm. Tiffany's ring, in the happily ever after, the white picket fence, and uh, it's what makes her comment. Her comment uh, in this episode where she says. Uh, my husband can't be impotent. He's too gorgeous or too beautiful, whatever she says. Yeah. Um, that embodies yeah. Charlotte. She thinks that, that she has, yeah, if she has all, she, if she has mathematically all of the right elements in place, then there can be nothing wrong with her life. But right. of course, uh, for whatever reason, their sex life is, is a total dud. Uh, so. And she waited I to like... have sex until their, until their wedding night. So she didn't know this until they were married, basically. Oh, that's actually good background. I was going to ask if they, yeah, if, if this was like a new problem. The, the, the night before they got married, she came to him and said, I've waited long enough, you know, have sex with me. I, 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 I can't wait any longer. And they, he's like, great. And then he tries and he can't. And he says, bah, sometimes this happens. And so she is concerned but goes through with the wedding because she's standing there in a $15,000 dress or whatever. And, that um, she could totally afford. Right. Uh, and, because don't and, worry about it. Because don't worry about it. And so, yes, yeah, so this is now a thing she's dealing with uh, with respect to her her brand new marriage is like, I waited to have sex with him because that felt romantic. And now we've got this issue. We've got this problem. What I love especially about that story is how their solution, like their uh, alternative to sex is golf. Uh, <laughs> and I honestly could not think of a... Uh, more sexless sport than golf. Oh, um, yes. yeah. like, oh it's just what, the worst. It was just spectacular to me that that was that was their solution. To we couldn't make it work, so we just played a lot of golf at the links. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it speaks to Trey's situation that there are eighteen holes and he couldn't get it in. <laughs> um, How many strokes is it going to take, Trey? <laughs> So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about, um, Charlotte's, uh, look, I actually, uh, you know, in some ways, uh, the, the frustration of showing you this episode, Nick, is that, um, I think, you know, Charlotte's storyline is particularly weak and, uh, the way that's the, the way that Carrie sort of offers a really bizarre Ugh. solution to Charlotte's problem. That yeah, is, is actually like, is very this... unlike the show. Yeah. Where is she? Yeah, where is she getting this solution? Put a piece Nick, of paper. Like it, I don't it... know. Okay, here's how you find out. You put a ring of paper around his flaccid penis while he's asleep. Jesus, I sound like a perverted Nancy Drew. What does that do? Well, if it rips during the night, that means he's capable of an erection, and the problem is not physical. His floor's non-smoking. I have an addiction, sir. A ring of paper. Yep. Yeah, like, if there weren't stamps around, what was what was Carrie imagining she was going to do? Like right. taking a piece she of construction paper strip that of she paper. Taped? I know. Like, and also, what I I ask you, what erection is strong enough to to rip apart a piece of paper? Yeah. I mean, talk to Garth, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I actually am really impressed at what a heavy sleeper Trey is. I mean, not to get too into the pissing on the play of it, but, uh, yeah. like, but like you know, Trey didn't have to get up and go to the bathroom at any point in the middle of the I night. I said and, like, that to Alec the, while we were watching this episode. I was like, what if he gets up to pee? Why in the hell is there a roll of stamps on my dick? 
Right. Like, is she is she trying to ship his dick back to Bermuda? Like, what's happening? Oh, God. It's so, so, so I guess we should explain, if you're listening and uh, didn't just watch this episode, that and what's happening case, what's is... wrong with you? In which case, yes. what the hell? But um, we might Don't as well... Don't you know well... how to do a podcast recap? Come on. <laughs> um, is So Charlotte um, is concerned with Trey's lack of... Not only uh, lack of ability to get it up, but lack of desire to try to get it up. She's Yeah, he's real feeling... distracted. Like, yeah. he's kind of a dodging it. He doesn't want to... He doesn't want to face it. She's feeling lascivious she's kissing him on his neck she's getting in his way while he's trying to deal with the china and the candlesticks and all and the she's trying to register notes. for a sex life she yeah. is god bless her and uh and so you know she's talking to carrie who is her closest friend of the of the ladies next just so you know and mm-hmm. um and carrie suggests you know, because because the so I should back up and say because this is something else I wanted to talk about. So in the beginning of this episode, the ladies are all at the foretop, which is a common kind of moment in each episode, Nick, where the ladies sit around at the coffee shop that they're at or some other restaurant and they have a chat about what's going on in their lives. Sure, it's and, like your um, Tom's restaurant moment in a Seinfeld or exactly, or so on. exactly. Yeah. And so um, you know they're all talking and Charlotte's telling them about their um, about the honeymoon and then. The other two ladies, uh, Charlotte and Samantha, uh, I'm sorry, Samantha and Miranda leave and Carrie and Charlotte are left alone. And and I think that's a moment that um, I know I can relate to when um, you're with a group of friends and you're all pretty close and you love each other. And then and then suddenly you're alone with um, one of your friends and maybe it's the one you're closest to. And it's kind of a moment of like, so what's really going on? Yeah, how let's have a little you? bit of real talk. So how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. I told Aiden about the affair and he broke up with me. Trey and I never had sex on our honeymoon. You win. So, should we get more coffee or should we get two guns and kill ourselves? He just, he couldn't get it up. We tried twice and it was just so frustrating we we just started playing golf. After many days on the golf course, Charlotte's handicap had gone down 12. Trey's handicap had stayed the same. Well, sweetie, impotence is a common problem. Do you think he's impotent? Well, my husband can't be impotent. He's gorgeous. All right, then. Glad you solved that. I was thinking that maybe he was just nervous about the wedding and and the honeymoon and the golf. He played really badly one day. What do you want me to say? Let's just change the subject. (laughs) What happened with Aiden? Nothing good. The whole reason I even agreed to this trip was to get away from Aiden and Big and the whole mess. Come on, let's get the check and go to Barney's. I can't possibly go to Los Angeles without another pair of shoes. (laughs) No. You go, I'm gonna stay and have another cup. Just go, have fun. All right. Call me if you need me. Right. And I think we've all been there. And I like I like the reality of that moment where they both kind of try to avoid getting real for a minute because they're both dealing with some really heavy shit. And then they get into it. And um, so Carrie is aware that Charlotte is having issues with Trey. And Carrie is the first one to use this word impotent. And I think there's I think there's just something to be explored there with the idea of naming a thing and all the weight that comes with like, oh, I'm depressed. I have depression. I have impotence. Like when you kind of, I don't know, I, I feel like when you place a word on something, you kind of create, you give it a weight that maybe 
uh, there's an implication that it's not just something that happened, but something that will habitually happen. And exactly. Is like is the new normal. Yes. Yeah. But you know it's a what? Little scary. What I I do like the way that the storyline wraps up, um, because you know Charlotte Charlotte takes the uh, the stamp the sort of book of stamps. And places it delicately around Trey's flaccid penis per to Carrie's see suggestion. that, uh, you know, if he gets an erection at night, the, the stamp uh, paper will break, thus proving that he can get an erection. Uh, this was a method that I think doctors have used for centuries, actually. It's the only way to tell. The, it's an the virility Chinese of a young secret. male. Yeah. Like Caldon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, and in the morning, uh, a la Christmas morning, she wakes up to find that the the uh, stamp book is indeed broken, which means that he did get an erection. He broke I have the to seal. assume I have to assume that she didn't do this on a Saturday night because the post doesn't deliver on Sunday. <laughs> wow, um, <Alec>. but. Uh, <laughs> delayed release for me and it Um, just hit me and wow so uh but anyway what i do think that it wraps up nicely because she's very excited to see that okay it's not a physical problem that trey has it wraps up nicely alec well done me accidentally um but what she what she then realizes to her horror is that the situation may be worse because it's a psychological and or emotional problem mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. speaks to what may be dysfunction in their relationship. Nick, talk to me about that. Well, talk I, I to think, us about your penis and how it works. <laughs> it, it, I, you know, without being ultra critical of that storyline, I could have seen that it was going there because, right, Alec, we're both writers. We know this is like this is the more interesting route for drama, right? It, it's yes. that there's. There's an issue in the relationship that has to be worked out over, you know, multiple stories. Um, a physical issue would be, you know, well, it's just a physical issue. Yeah. Uh, so that made sense to me, and I like that. I liked where it left off. I like, um, uh, I like that it, you know, was obviously leading into more story, leading into uh, dealing with it in a deeper level. I, I, I may even be compelled to watch the next episode for that very reason. Ooh, you should. It's a great. It's a great continuation. It's actually a two-parter where they're in L.A. They're still. They're in They're still LA. in L.A., right? Yeah. Yep. The, the yep. preview, the the little window, was letting me know the next episode uh, continues that L.A. story. Yeah. Um. I. 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 Uh, I did think um, that it was a good storyline. I think it could have uh, really um, helped to have more like gratuitous stamps around the penis shots i think that's probably a very specific fetish yeah of like post office workers who imagine mailing penises you've around been, the world you've been looking at my browser history alec i have and let special me special delivery you, did not direct to your box <laughs> yeah um so uh so that 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 gives us charlotte's storyline it's i always like sort of rounding out the episodes to talk about carrie here we go um so uh, as as we earlier mentioned, Carrie's Carrie's reeling from the breakup with Aiden and her affair with Big, and she thinks the best thing to do is to come out to L.A. and and she gets the vehicle with which to do that because a production company on the Warner Brothers lot uh, is thinking about optioning her columns as a movie. Um, now to most, this might be sort of the break of a lifetime, but it doesn't it doesn't seem like that. 
carry. Uh, it, at least from it drives me insane. <laughs> it's sort of like a, an annoying task she has to do while using their money to go on a mini vacation. Yeah, she says she only agrees to do it because she wants to get out of Los Angeles and away from the whole Aiden Big situation, the whole the whole big breakup blow up. Yeah, I was um, actually a little confused about that myself. I maybe yeah, it's just talk, my own, speak to why. Yeah, I mean, just being in my own uh, my own career objectives and trajectory like you know when they're finally pursuing you right. uh to take your writing to the next level i don't know i, I think i would find that exciting maybe we're supposed to i don't know may, maybe the, we're supposed to feel like carrie is legit you know because she doesn't want to like um sully her work by translating it into the screen or something like that you know she wants to continue to write in print or something like that i, I don't know no, I, you guys no, know the character it's, better it's, than me yeah I, is knowing, she a knowing writer Carrie, or is she is she looking for taking her right well, she's to the gonna next level? she's gonna have financial problems soon so I, yeah. I do think that i i think that she one of the things about carrie and listen we love carrie we love the show and we love her and she's we actually a deeply love flawed how, human we love how flawed she is as a character and I think sure. the, the, sort of one of her biggest flaws is her selfishness. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that this episode sort of speaks to her selfishness and that she's going through a breakup and she wants to feel it. And she, and nothing is more important than feeling the weight of the breakup for her. And, right. and she'll throw other people under the bus or throw opportunities under the bus if it speaks to how much she, like sort of difficulty she's going through. And I think that's what's going on in this episode is that a mo- what a trivial thing a movie is when you're going through something as painful as she's going through um but i mean fuck like having matthew mcconaughey star in a movie I know. about a column and not you being wrote, able are you to fucking s- kidding me? you know when you understand like i mean i'm sure there's some element of her column that is uh we have to imagine that is um uh you know even if you're writing because because her column just so you know is is personal you know she writes about her experiences dating and and having sex in LA and her and her column is also informed by her friends experiences so she'll write about that as well but I feel right I mean I I'm you know forgive what a noob I'm being here but like I assume that the intermittent narration is you know intended to be her column that spills out of whatever this episode's adventures have inspired you know exactly but I you know but being an intelligent person and a good writer you would think that she would understand, uh, she would have a little bit of savvy, uh, uh, and being a New Yorker, a little bit of savvy about... Um, the need uh, to translate her, her personal column into something, yeah, exactly. Something Into something um, fantastical and with a bit of fiction and, and sort of imagine like, okay, what could, who is, quote, Carrie, um, like, can't you have the imagination to go like, okay, this is a character that like we're gonna work with, and it's gonna be different from exactly my life, and I'm not gonna get offended when I'm in a production company that wants to maybe make me a lot of money, right. um, when they want to talk about the character. Like, it's just it is it is quite frustrating as as someone who would like to kill to have something like that happen. Maybe she was just going through extreme nicotine withdrawal. I think that might be what it is. That's the answer. I do really love the moment in her storyline where she leaves the production office feeling more unsure than ever, only to wind up back in New York. Uh, oh, it's on perfect. This sort of uh, yeah, that was that was kind of a nice shoot. moment. Um, yeah, it's a I love genius that. device. She's like, you know, I, no matter how far away I try to get from New York, I wind up right back here, and she's right. walking it's around the she, back lot. Really cements it's like where she belongs. How yeah. 
Nick, how great were our two guest stars in this episode? Sarah, Sarah Michelle, Michelle Geller, fantastic. Let's talk about SMG. Let's talk about let's talk about her cameo. And across the bar, I was having drinks with the most ambitious and feared creature in all of Los Angeles, the junior development executive. I just love your columns. They're so relatable. Thanks. Well, I try. It's like I'm you. Or I will be when I turn 30. <laughs> you, you are such a loser. You're a loser. You are loser. I'm kidding. <sighs> what a loser. Last year pitched me nothing but shit 24-7. That's a lot of shit. No shit. Oh. <laughs> but seriously, I am you. You've had your heart broken. I've had my heart broken. And if I have, that means other girls have. And if other girls have, that means big opening weekend. Not X-Men big, but chick flick big. God, the guy who came up with that term should have his balls cut off. Don't you think that's a little severe? Do I sound like an asshole? I, I hope I don't sound like an asshole. You know, I love your shoes. Oh, thanks. Thanks. So, big news. I have a star interested. Guess who? Um, Drew Barrymore? No. Guess. I'm really not good with the celebrity names. Oh, guess. Uh, that's Jennifer Love Something Girl? Nope. Guess. I'm done guessing. Why would he want to be involved? Because he's smart. He's a producer as well, and he really took to the material. You're meeting him tomorrow at three. Hot, hotty, hot. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, were you surprised to see her in this episode, Nick? Yeah, I was. We're in so so. I've watched some of Buffy, but where are we in Buffy when this happened? Is this after Buffy, Buffy or no. is this during Buffy? This, this is, is during. during Buffy. This is okay. so solidly in the middle of Buffy. Buffy began in '97, mm-hmm. okay, and uh, continued through 2000 and what. Three or four. Three or four. Um, Yeah, so this is like height of Buffy fame. I'm sure SMG was thrilled to be able to play something different than Buffy at this point in time. Definitely. So she was a superstar. And um, did you notice something about... So she's this young junior development executive who is like under 30 and speaking to that and very obnoxious. And um, she, she... she is excited to explain to Carrie Bradshaw that they've got someone interested, and she whispers a name. Did you notice um, a, a problem with that moment? Uh, was it that you could barely understand the name? Well, here I want I encourage you to go back if you if you've bought this episode on iTunes or whatever you did to watch it. I need you to go back and watch that scene because what happens is she whispers to her. First, she makes Carrie guess incessantly. She's just insisting that Carrie guess like seventeen times. Um, yeah, and after like is. the third one, I wanted Carrie just to just be like, "God damn it, bitch! Just tell me the it's name of the, so of the meeting." Like this is this. I'm not enjoying this game. This isn't a game. Yeah. Um, but she. So what's interesting is what she's audibly saying is Matthew McConaughey, but what her mouth is saying is Warren Beatty. Um, I, I, I defy you stars. I defy you to, um, to, to argue with me on that. What's interesting is I, I, I need to imagine the alternate reality in which Warren Beatty was initially tied on to, 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 to be the person she's meeting with in this episode. And then they had to switch to the last minute and all they could do. I would buy Warren Beatty as Chris Knopf. 
you know, well, I, I yeah, would buy definitely. Warren Beatty as the movie star version of Chris Knopf be sooner than I would buy Warren, uh, Matthew McConaughey. I guess, sure. I guess the only thing I, the only thing I have to like place me with Warren Beatty at this point in time is, um, I recently watched Madonna's Truth or Dare documentary, which okay. is absolutely fucking fantastic if you've never watched it. It's very long. Um, it's very black and white. It's in black and white and it's very, it's, a. Uh, it's, it's very, it's it's kind of pioneering in the cinema verite kind of aspect of, of documenting a celebrity's life. Okay, um, it cool. is warts and all. It's it's really I, I encourage you in fact to watch this documentary. But um, during the filming of it, Madonna was dating Warren Beatty, and Truth or Dare came out in the uh, gosh I think early nineties. So this is after that, and in the documentary, Warren Beatty comes off as like a crotchety old dude who's like not happy being on camera and i'm yeah. going like at this point in time in 2000 what i mean like sure i'm sure he's still handsome but like how much of a, a sense of humor older? about himself yeah. Is he gonna have? yeah yeah anyway i just find it in- absolutely insane that that's what they were left with is like obviously they filmed this and then with ADR'd the, idea the line Beatty, and then he pulled yeah. out and they had to adr matthew mcconaughey on top which right. i'm thrilled with because he was in my opinion a completely kooky, wonderful. Yeah, guest he was. Star. He was at his most Matthew McConaughey in the scene, and it was what <laughs> it needed. I do. I like all of it. I think your writing is brilliant. I really do. I mean, it's sharp. It's edgy. It's brutal at times. It's always a little juicy. It's it's very New York. You know what I'm saying? I do like it. I really do. Well, my God. Well, thank you, Matthew McConaughey. You're welcome. Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> now, here's what I've been thinking about. How do we get your column to translate to the silver screen? And I think I've got the answer. Now, what if we flush out the central relationship? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Okay. Central relationship. Oh, Carrie and Mr. Big, huh? I don't see why they couldn't make it work. I couldn't believe it. I flew 3,000 miles to have Matthew McConaughey ask the same question I've been asking myself for years. I mean, look at him. I mean, he is such a great guy. I mean, I don't know anybody any cooler than Mr. Big. I... My only question, really, is what the fuck is Carrie's problem? You know? What, what, what do you think? Well, um, I don't... I don't particularly think it was, it was just her problem. Um, because... Well, actually, he had some, you know, commitment issues. That's bullshit, Gary! You know it! Kidding. I'm acting. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) Yes, but do you see what I mean? That's why I want to develop the story with you. I'm Mr. Big. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Excellent. You're in. You know what else? I really want to fuck you, baby. Are you acting now? I'm big, okay? You be Carrie. I am Carrie. We are animals. Man, woman, walking the earth. We are made of head, heart, and loins. We're talking about using them. Am I right? Well, I have, uh, well, the... The girl said that we would probably, what we would, we would, uh, would talk about the columns today. Let's get down to the underbelly of these two characters, and let's figure out why they're so fucked up. Well, uh, I have a facial at four. Then I love you. 
I don't understand why we can't be together. Do you mind if I smoke? I don't think you should smoke, Carrie. What? In the movie, I don't think Carrie should smoke. Oh. Yeah. That's all right. Or, or my office. Okay. Um, is that something that's that Sex bullshit, in the City? Carrie, I, I, and you know I it. Needed, I needed to ask you guys: Is that um, is that something that Sex in the City did often? Did they have celebrities no, play themselves, no, or was this like no. this is the Hollywood episode? This is so the Hollywood episode where we've got a star. Some, it felt like a real entourage kind of thing. You yeah, know? there was there was an ep- there's an episode at some point where Donald Trump makes uh, a tiny, <laughs> teeny, serious? tiny cameo. Yeah. Yes, um, and the tiniest um, playing himself. Um, like it's like even, a Home Alone two. Yeah, kind of it's Donald even Trump less cameo. of a moment than the Home Alone two moment. But um, okay. I don't even think he has a line. I think he just tipples a champagne glass at Samantha or something. But for the most part, um, this is not a thing that they do. But I, if you're if you're interested in seeing how this LA story wraps up, I encourage you to watch the second episode because you'll get a little Hugh Hefner and a little Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Oh my God. He was Nick. kind of an it guy at that time, right? That oh, was, was Swingers was mid nineties, right? So yep. he was kind of in the yeah. That's right. Totally. Nick, um, if you want to go back and watch the Donald Trump episode, uh, mm-hmm. the title is Make Sex in the City Great Again. <laughs> Writing it down and crossing it out. Okay, got it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, Nick, um, so we talked about McConaughey. Let, let's talk about um, how... Uh, you know, I guess we're, we're supposed to take from her meeting with McConaughey that she really begins to understand that from other people's perspectives, it's Carrie who's fucked up. She's yes. the one who fucked up the relationship. And that really right. sets her like it sort of sends her into a spiral. Um, it seems like the first time she's confronted with that thought, like it, it seems like it's the first time she's forced to actually consider that. Yeah. yeah, and and she does what I have to consider the most unprofessional thing you can oh, possibly do. It makes me want to kill her. Which is after Warner Brothers has paid for her to come out to L.A. and her two friends put her up in a nice hotel. I imagine give her per diem and rent her car for her. She just doesn't fucking show up to the second meeting. Yeah. I could murder her. You I said that she goes through her. money troubles soon. I. She does. I can't say that I'm terribly surprised if that's she's, the... She's a pretty um, irresponsible person. Like, we love her. Don't get us wrong. Sure. Like, impulsive, she's, though. She's, she's very impulsive. And she. Uh, you heard her just say earlier in the episode, she's like, I can't go to New York without another pair of shoes. And then she right. winds up um, in, a, in, a later, in a very soon um, kind of episode from now realizing that she spent $40,000 on shoes and she has no savings and um, she's, you know, about to be kicked out of her apartment. And, and eBay hasn't thing, been so. invented yet, so she's got she's <laughs> right. out of luck. She would, right. even, if, even if it had, she's Carrie Bradshaw, she would never in a million years sell her shoes. But she I'm, passes You guys up. are probably going to get angry emails. I bet eBay was around in 2000. I can't it remember. probably was. It definitely was. <laughs> I, I, I apologize for the barrage of corrections you'll get. Um, How dare you? It, it's so frustrating because... I mean, she could have had a Matthew McConaughey movie, which we know it would not be X-Men big, but chick flick big. <laughs> I love the X-Men reference. It, I mean, that scene felt like it was right out of Entourage or something. Like, let's let's name drop the movie of the... I mean, X-Men just came out that summer, right? Yeah. So that was a pretty timely reference. And also, an X-Men movie just came out this summer. Yeah. Uh, which just goes to show you that this episode and, and more our things podcast... Changed 
will never be out of date because even 50 years from now, that summer, there will be an X-Men movie coming That's out. correct. That's correct. Um, although I do believe the box office, box office returns are halved every X-Men film. So That's uh, right. Until Infinity, it will just continue to make uh, less and less money until you have to use special mathematics to actually measure how little money they're making that's right uh x-men days of future past past future past past present past future past correct (laughs) that's the one after the next one yes that's right it's a callback Um, nick did you enjoy watching sex in the city um i did you know uh i love that you guys asked me to watch this one um because of the new york versus la of it uh, and I have actually something else to say on that. But um, to answer your question, I, I I did, but I do feel like I need to watch more of it now uh, to really get... Because this one definitely felt like the road trip episode, um, mm-hmm. yeah. taking taking a lot of the characters out of their element. And yes. now I feel like to get a full picture of the show, I should watch um, some episodes with the characters in the I element. I have good news for you, Nick, though, which is that um, there's a podcast that I've heard about that you can use as a companion to watch. Oh, Sex tell and me City. more, please. Go yeah, on. so so you what you can do is you can start at the first episode of the entire series and you can watch that episode, and then you can listen to Carry On the Sex and City podcast. You can listen to some really like irreverently, um, just incorrigible hosts. Wow, uh, do they talk- have a social media? presence that I they could do, perhaps yeah. tweet my thoughts to them and yeah, you know, you can, interact you can with them. Look them up at Carry On Podcast. Just everywhere you can you can find social media. It's pretty, that's fantastic. Pretty exciting. Unfortunately, wow, one great. of the hosts is a guy and he just mansplains everything. Mm. Well, you know, I actually do love a good mansplaining. Um, yeah, I have to say I've indulged in a few myself. So you know, uh, bring it on. Yeah. Um, Nick, tell us, you, you said you had something more to say, um, sort of as, as the New Yorker. Oh, yeah. Uh, this actually maybe even is less about being a New Yorker uh, and more about just being um, inexperienced in Los Angeles. So this is a weird thing for me. Uh, so many things that happened in this episode were things that happened to me or places that I went to on my first visit to Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, and like, like you guys, I grew up in North Carolina. Um, I did not visit L.A. until I was in college. Uh, and I was, between my junior and senior year of college, I, I did my first trip to California, uh, out to Los Angeles, with a good friend of mine um, who still lives there today and who was good friends with you guys both, um, Chris Herb. And so the, the two of us went out uh, as just like these fresh-faced college students uh, who were facing the prospect of potentially moving to Los Angeles after graduation because we both wanted to be in film. Um, we So many of the experiences that happened in this episode happened to us. We went to Saddle Ranch. Uh, <laughs> we went to the Hustler store. Wow. Um, wow. We had an experience with someone who was bad at driving a stick shift where we were on a hill approaching Sunset Boulevard and the light changed and we started to roll into traffic behind us. Like, there were so many moments in this episode that, like, mirrored my first experience with L.A. that I... Holy shit! It was weird. It felt so universal. Um, I think we didn't visit a back lot the first time I went to L.A., but very early in my time... In LA, I visited a back lot and was just really delighted by the the sort of real slash fakeness of those New York City streets. It's magic. Yeah. I've never yeah. been to the Warner Brothers one, but I've been to the Paramount one um, and the Fox one, and they're a lot of fun. The Warner Brothers one is really fantastic. I've been there a couple of times, and the Universal New York Street is really spectacular. Nick, too. it's so interesting. This episode reverse Forrest Gumped you. <laughs> yeah, it it did. It took me through. 
an entire uh yeah it, it did it really did do that it, it, i was just like having so many flashbacks throughout uh, i really couldn't believe it when they went to saddle ranch too because i remember going to saddle ranch and being there and and kind of being with los angelinos who had taken us there but went out of their way to talk about how like obvious it was that we were going to saddle ranch <laughs> uh Nick, I want to I want to give you one final thought about this episode, please. Which is, I thought it captured very well how awful it is when somebody presents pictures from their vacation to you. <laughs> oh God! And it's not. It, it hasn't gotten any better, right? I mean, no, you know, it's just like, not paper pictures anymore. It's like just pictures on Facebook. I'd say it's gotten worse because you're not limited to the amount of photos you develop. It's as the, many as you can fucking take. That's the right. only thing that makes it fun now is when someone hands you their iPhone and you're asked to you're asked to be your own tour guide through the vacation. Because then you might see a them. dick pic. Exactly. You flip through them <laughs> with the vague hope that you might go one or two pictures too far and fall right into yep. that treasure trove of dick pics they've got. Oh, yep. gorgeous. If you're worried yeah. about somebody, uh, if you want to hand somebody your phone and show them a photo, I've got a trick for you. If you're worried about dick pics, whether they swipe left or right, it's very simple. Uh-huh. Bring, bring up the photo on your phone and slightly magnify it. Oh. That way, when they Zoom try to go left or right, they won't be able to. It and just has, moves the photo around. And this has worked for phone. you in like experimental settings. Like you've tried this out. Uh, well, and, I've and never taken a picture of my penis because it stays flaccid. I can't tell you how many stamps I've had to throw away. How many stamps you've wasted? <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick, it's been a real pleasure having you. Oh, I, I, this has been a delight. This hour has just flown by. Um, I has. hope your listeners will feel the same way. Um, I know I do. Yes. It's been a great time. Um, and we're you should be visiting soon. You and Kelly should come hang out and um, we'll go to the hustler store. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll pick up some signed um, cocks. We'll hit the Bucking Bronco at the yeah. at the Saddle Ranch. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be awesome. We'll go to Hollywood and Highland and just um, just be tourists and it'll be lovely. Just exist. Um, yeah. if you're if you're tourists in the New York sense, then that means you have to kind of walk in the middle of the sidewalk just kind of as slowly as you possibly can, uh, looking in all directions while the people who live in your city that you're visiting are just desperately trying to get around you and just get to the <laughs> fuck where they're going. That sounds oh my magical. Um, and legend has it that if we go back to Saddle Ranch, there's a mom waiting to take off her blouse. Yeah, well, I'm booking my ticket right now, actually. Um, uh, I'm on the internet. Uh, I'm yeah. picking out a flight. I'll be there within hours. Nick, do you uh, do you have any kind of social media you want to shout out? Do you want anyone following your uh, October adventures this year? Do you want to do you want to plug anything? I am at the Shorn Eagle on Twitter, but I've been on a bit of a social media hiatus this summer, and I don't know if I'm coming back from it. So I well, I gave you the, the handle, but I hesitate to suggest you follow it. There's it, an archive it, it of be... tweets to enjoy. There's I an archive of that. tweets. The further back you go, the less mature I get. So it gets really entertaining. <laughs> Uh, well, Nick, uh, it was really great having you, and uh, until next time, carry, carry on. on. Thanks, guys.